This is a 980 CKNW podcast. We are going to be talking right now about uh, your body image. And I have the author of Kiss My Curvy Assets, Lori Mork, in studio with me. But before we do that, uh, I'm going to, I love have, getting your text messages. Call me crazy. Um, because we were just uh, doing a segment on nude, the gluten free, sugar free, sweetener free, 100 calorie. Um, alcohol that's nice for summer. And so I asked you to text me at 604-449-8459. You can continue to text me throughout the, the show, which is on till 10 p.m. I'm just going to read a few of those who are in the running. Okay, um, I'm a Caesar guy, but my daughter and her friends have really gotten into the new drinks. They feel like they can have a couple with no worries instead of having a mixed drink with a bunch of calories. Plus, they love the variety of flavors. Um, I have to find the one who's in in first place. I hope I didn't lose him. (laughs) Anyway, oh no, where did he go? He had a little poem for me. He was, uh, he didn't want to be rude, but he wanted the nude. And after two or three, he would have attitude. So I'm going to say he's in the running there. Um, But there's plenty of time to text me uh, if you do want to win some, uh, a new flavor, you know, spice up your life. Anyway, and it's good because it's a nice segue into our next segment about Kiss My Curvy Assets, a book written by Lori Mork. It's really more than a book. It is a Bible about accepting, highlighting, and rocking your body. Good evening, Lori, and thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, So this is a great book, I have to say, and it's not just, it's not your typical book, um, it's not your typical book. Uh, it is, uh, it's really a reference manual for how to uh, have the best body ever. And so many people have body image issues. It is. It is. I wanted it to be so much more than diet and exercise because there's a lot of books out there telling us what to eat and, and the calories we're supposed to consume and the exercise sessions that we're supposed to do. But people are getting to their goals with those strategies, but they're not able to stay there. They're not able to keep those results. So They can I, attain, but they can't maintain. They can. And it, it's really sad. I think for 27 years, I've, I've coached clients who are we're just really broken. We're really broken. We're really confused. Some people are mad, right? Sad. They feel like failures. They've really, really tried everything and weren't able to maintain them. So they're just, they're, they were looking for more answers. And what I wanted to do was have strategies in order to not only find the results now, but keep them for the long term. And what are some of those strategies? First of all, I just want to address a little bit about body image. And and you quote some statistics in the book, 80% of women feel badly about one part of their body every single day. Um, This affects us. You know, I mean, I was skiing and of course that was the excuse for, I can have one of those peaked pies, uh, the Australian peaked pies, um, because I'm going to burn that off. That's not necessarily true. Um, But you do feel like I typically eat a low low glycemic index, low carb, high protein protein diet, you know, throughout the week. And, um, and so then you find you go away and all of a sudden these things and you're just like, ah, I don't feel as great as I did when I left on Friday, you know, so our body image can change. And that really is relates to what we consume every single day, every meal. It does. It does. It, it's our mindset too. And it's that all or nothing per principle, <clears throat> excuse me. It's thinking that we can never have that pie. And then we beat ourselves up when we have the pie rather than if you went into it saying, you know what? I do pretty good through the week. I eat really well. 
you know, I deserve to just go this weekend and have some drinks and have the pie and not fret well, about it. I obviously it after. said that, but right? I don't <laughs> about it afterward. And it's how frequently we say that to ourselves as well. We can always come up with an excuse, but you don't feel well when you don't eat well and you don't take care of your tomb, your right. body. Yes. And so, what are some of the strategies that you outline in this book um, for people to lose some weight in a healthy manner? And it was a great read, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I think exercising on your own terms and, and choosing things that you like to do, uh, because society tells us, you know, we have to go be smote in the gym and we think we have to, you know, lift weights and be there six times a week. But what if we don't like that? What if we want to swim? What if we want to be a runner? What if we want to dance in our living room, you know, and just put on music? It's really important to find things that you're going to enjoy doing. And that, that means then you'll be able to do it forever. You won't feel like it's a chore. Um, and I think another one is, is get off the scale, get off the weight scale. We, we tend to hold ourselves hostage to getting on that, that weight scale and it makes us feel poorly. And as soon as you can throw it out, <laughs> you'll start to really embrace your body and you will find your goals without being attached to that number. So this book isn't about necessarily um uh, accepting yourself, you know, it's, it's about accepting yourself, but it's also about living a healthy life. And it doesn't necessarily mean that only the thin people are the healthy people. Oh, it's true. It's true. And it's, it's not trying to, we hear a lot about transformation challenges and we're trying to change ourselves rather than trying to do that. I mean, we're all, we're all amazing beings. It's, it's take what you have and highlight what you have. It doesn't mean that you're just going to be comfortable being unhealthy and doing nothing and not moving your body, but rather than trying to be a body type you weren't meant to be, um, you know, you're trying to look a certain way and you're genetically not supposed to look that way. So you're going to be struggling. You're going to be struggling to fit that mold and be that ideal that you're not naturally supposed to be. So it is going to be that yo-yo and that struggle all the time. So if you can just say, you know what, I'm not going to change. I'm fabulous how I am right now, but I'm going to highlight. I'm going to highlight a few areas. I'm going to do certain activities. I'm going to eat certain foods because I know you know, I digest them better and I'm not going to be as bloated. Nude sodas, you know, you're feeling better. You're not having those tummy upsets after. That's really important is mm -hmm. to just really stop trying to be someone you're not. And how does somebody know uh, their genetic predisposition? How do they know? Or is it to be like, uh, hey, I was destined to be 240 pounds at, you know, 5'2". And, and is it is it that kind of a thing? Or? You'll know, you'll know. And it's, it's called biofeedback. And that's your sleep. That's your sex drive. I mean, you'll see when people do really crazy, low, low calorie, low carb diets, the sex drive goes in the toilet. As soon as you try to be extra lean and extra small and you're not meant to be that small, you have no sex drive. Your if sleep, you're meant to be that small, will you have that sex drive? If, if that's genetically where your body is supposed to be, for sure. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the things I notice the most, especially about chronic dieters. As soon as they you know, drop the calories, as soon as they over-exercise, extreme training, the sex drive goes, no sleep, hair falls out. Mood swings, hormonal cycles get interrupted. Your body is saying, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be like this. 
Right. And so you don't recommend standing on the scale for, for anybody. I don't. Even at the beginning. Not at all. It's, no. No. So it's not a numbers game. It's a random number generator and it does not take into account your menstrual cycles. It does not take into account if you had a little bit of extra sea salt the day before. It doesn't take into account if you went drinking the night before and you're a little dehydrated, the number on the scale might go down mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily mean you've lost body fat. Right. So do you recommend a particular type of diet for everybody or is it a, a particular, are there particular foods people should avoid um, or? stay with? Not at all. Not at all. I, and I don't think it's a, a custom one fits all approach. I think it's listening to your body and finding what works for you. So getting all of your ducks in a row in terms of sleep and sex drive and stress and allowing your diet to support that. So eating foods you enjoy, not having the all or nothing approach of I'm never going to eat a carb again. I'm not allowed that food because it's not clean. And that's where we start to have a really, really bad relationship with food. Because and we have a lot of um, body uh, eating disorders as well. Yes. And you point out in the book, which I didn't realize Lady Gaga had um, body uh, had eating disorders, both anorexia and bulimia. Yeah. Um, and a lot of women suffer that. And that is a life, and men can suffer it as well. And that's a lifelong health condition. So, what about this whole thing about sugar and this craving sugar? I mean, you know, I have that. I have that disease. <laughs> Once I have one Oreo, I need 60. You know, I mean, I can have another and another and another. So, I avoid it like the plague. Um, so, is that just something that I've recognized about myself? Is that what people need to pay? attention to those for those foods that don't make you feel well and and is that sugar craving real but is it are you eating the 60 oreos oreos because 60 well 38 but if you had one oreo every day and you said to yourself that oreos are actually okay Right, because you, nobody got fat from eating one Oreo. It's it's when you say to yourself, you know what, Maureen, I'm never going to eat that Oreo again, and then it calls your name from the cupboard, and you're like, <laughs> no, I'm right. going to eat the mm, whole thing. Yeah. It's the same with a cake. If if I said, here's cake, and I'm going to give you a sliver, you're not eating the whole thing. It's maybe a hundred calories, but in our minds, we've already said that the cake is the enemy. Right. You know, it's something I have to stay away from. I I just have Mm -hmm. to avoid it. I have to turn my head away from it. But what I will say, if I have not eaten, so I need to eat breakfast and then a snack and then lunch and then an afternoon snack and then dinner. And if I veer off of that pathway, then I will go for, if I get hungry, you know, I just have to eat something, you know, and whatever is there. And, you know, oftentimes it's the easiest thing possible. And sometimes we think plain Greek yogurt and berries isn't going to quite cut it like that muffin will. Right. But is it those types of things that people need to be mindful of or or is it more of a moderation type of thing? I like the moderation approach. I Mm -hmm. really do. I I don't like thinking that anything is good or or anything is bad. And again, you can have the one Oreo a day. You can Mm -hmm. have the sliver of chocolate a day. Mm -hmm. And it's it's going into that mentality of thinking that you can't have something that's going to make you crave it even more. Right. And and that's great that you know your big triggers and you're able to know that you need to prep ahead and have a little bit of of the healthier snacks and things that you know make you feel better. Available. Because I know I feel absolutely fine after I've had that. Yeah. It's absolutely fine. You know, I've, I've done it so many times. This is so tied to our self-esteem as well, diet and emotional eating. And so what have you found with your clients in terms of how, how they feel about themselves, how productive they are, how, what they present at work or in their relationships or in the bedroom? 
in terms of their uh, self-esteem. If you feel good about yourself, you will do better in all aspects of life. It, it doesn't matter whether it's it's parenting, because that's really important too. how we view our bodies is going to be what our little beings pick up on our teenage daughters, our young sons. They're mm-hmm. going to see how we treat ourselves and how we treat our bodies as well at the office. If you are self-confident, you're going to ask for that raise a lot quicker than if you're feeling like you're not happy in your body. You're not happy with yourself. Right. And relationships in terms of sex drive. I mean, I have a chapter on getting naked frequently. And it is about rocking what you have and not feeling like you have to hide. Right. Many women want the lights off. Many women are nervous about one patch of fat on their thigh or they don't like men to to touch their stomachs. Many people have sex with clothes on. I've heard it all. Um, But this is a great book. And we do have, uh, have you brought one in to give away to our listeners? Yes. That's fantastic. The book is called Kiss My Curvy Assets by Lori Mork. And it's about embracing, accepting, highlighting, and rocking the heck, I can't say the other (laughs) word, on your body. out of your body. And and I love just the way the approach. It's funny. It's real. Um, it's certain, you know, like get these swear words out of your um, diet and out of your life, basically. because So it gives you permission to be yourself and to be real. So if you'd like to win the book, give us a call. The number to call is one 399 It'll go to the third caller, one 399 Lori, Mork, thank you so much for coming in. And how can people get in touch with you if they want to have your coaching? I have a website, lauriemork.com, and I'm on Instagram as well, laurie.mork. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's great work. It's a phenomenal book. I can highly recommend it. Thanks so much, Maureen. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath, registered nurse, nurse continence advisor, and sexpert here to talk to you about lots of different subjects coming up on the second hour of the program. I'm going to be talking to you about... ED, erectile dysfunction. Uh, also, in my in my research study, I'm looking for a few guys with it. I am the only woman looking for men with erectile dysfunction. Remember that, guys. It's not attractive. It's a bit of a turnoff, in fact. Also, Amy Culler, an intimacy coach, joins me in the studio to talk about pain versus pleasure in intimacy. And also going to be talking about this sex drought that's going on and how to improve your sex life and your relationships uh, later on in the program, and I can't remember something else too, but I'll have to go back to my list and find that. But right now, keep those uh, texts coming in. They're a blast. Uh, 604-449-8459 if you want to win some nude vodka soda um, to quench your thirst in, a, in moderation, of course. Um, and uh, I have some to give out to some lucky and funny because I really like a sense of humor the most. Um, but also I have a, I'm a bit of a bleeding heart and I, or I wear my heart on my sleeve, I should say. And so if you've got a story and it's going to touch my heart, you're probably going to win. So creativity, imagination, love that too. So give me what you got. All right, but right now I'm going to talk about erection function. I uh, see many men in my clinical practice who have erectile dysfunction. In fact, lots of guys come in and I'll say, so what brings you here? And you know what you guys are like. You know, you're so feelings oriented and you're like, I want to get back to the bedroom. I'm like, okay, well, why aren't you there now? Well, she says, you know, that uh, I have an erectile dysfunction. I'm like, well, do you? And by the way, 
it's not that appealing. It's not appealing at all. Nobody wants to have sex with a flaccid penis. Hate to give you that newsflash, but it's the truth. You know, but a lot of guys have, and so they, sometimes they hear me on the radio and they just think, well, you know, we're not having sex. And even though they don't want to admit to why they're not having sex, and, it, and it's in part around erection function or or the inability to attain and or maintain an erection adequate for penetrative sex. And sometimes that can happen. It's normal. Not every guy is going to have an erection all the time. But, you know, it can lead to performance anxiety as well. And there's probably some other issues that have stemmed uh, from the lack of sex in the relationship also. So there's lots to uncover there. Uh, and so I deal with a lot of, of men with this issue. And I, and I really encourage them to seek the treatment for it, which I also provide. I happen to provide, and it's pretty easy. Um, and so it's critical that um, you eat a healthy diet because a diet that is bad for your heart is also bad for your ability to have an erection. So that's a critical in eating pattern. So what I do is guys come into my clinical practice and I will do an assessment, uh, measure your blood pressure. I will measure your girth. I will measure your thighs maybe, you know, it just depends. And, and I will weigh you. I know we heard a little bit earlier on in the program that weighing, it, weighing in every day isn't good, but you know what? These guys have to know where they are. They're very motivated by the fact that they're going to have sex at the end of the month. <laughs> and so, because um, I really have, a, you know, really high outcomes in my clinical practice. And if, if not, I have something else that can just spur things on to increase blood flow and increase pelvic floor muscle strength as well. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that also. And that's really the clinical study that I'm, I'm doing at the moment. But that it, has been, it has been shown to increase blood flow, improve blood flow. And erections are about blood flow. And they're also about pelvic floor muscle strength. They're also about being psychologically aroused. And they're also about testosterone levels. So it's very important that you treat your blood vessels well, including those little ones in your little penis. And uh, so diet is critical, and I provide a diet that is good for your penis and your heart as well. And you're going to feel so much better after this. So also maintaining a healthy weight. Being overweight can bring on many health problems, including type 2 diabetes, which can cause nerve damage throughout your body, including the ones that supply your penis. So you can get erectile dysfunction if you have any type of nerve damage as a result of the high sugar swirling around in your blood vessels. You also want to avoid high blood pressure. So I measure your blood pressure as well. It's critical to know this number. You can also have high cholesterol. I'll look at your labs online. So I do a full-on assessment here. Honestly, it's really a simple fix. It's quite honestly a couple of visits to me at, at the most. Um, and it really the second one is to follow up. Um, but uh, if you have high blood pressure, you know, high cholesterol and high blood pressure both can damage your blood vessels. And so it's critical that both of those are on the lower side. Keep in mind, if you have high blood pressure and you treat it with antihypertensives, which a lot of guys have to do that, and women, but we're just talking about guys right now. <laughs> um, but blood pressure medications can actually have a side effect of erectile dysfunction. So it's so much better that you lead a healthy lifestyle and that you have healthy blood vessels so that the blood flows and actually gets into your penis, which is where it is supposed to go. If you are turned on and if you have a, a good testosterone level and how do you get testosterone levels? You actually exercise. That is the most natural and the best way to get, um, have a good testosterone level. Of course, 
cutting out alcohol, you know, for a lot of guys is critical. Like I have a lot of guys that come in to my practice and they're like, you know, they're sedentary. They have a big gut. They don't exercise. They drink a lot of alcohol every single day. In fact, I said to a patient recently, are you a daily drinker? And he said, get a great sense of humor. (laughs) And he said to me, by daily, do you mean nightly? Anyway, that could be a bit of a red flag. So, um, There's no evidence to support that mild or even moderate alcohol consumption is bad for erection function, but chronic heavy drinking can cause liver damage, and that leads to nerve damage. And also, if you're smashed every single night, that's not appealing either, and it can be more difficult um, to get an erection because there may be an imbalance of your male sex hormone level. So that's why... You know, if you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're lonely, you know, last thing you should do is medicate with alcohol. In fact, what you should do is exercise regularly, and that is really important. But don't exercise, do any exercise that puts excessive pressure on the perineum, which is the area between your scrotum and your anus, for a little anatomy lesson tonight, um, because the blood vessels and the nerves that supply the penis may be adversely affected by that excessive pressure in the area. So one uh, type of exercise which uh, can lead to erectile dysfunction, it's a very popular exercise today, is uh, cycling or, or bike riding. And, you know, just like I look at guys with a large gut and I think, oh, their testosterone levels are low, I also look at men on bikes and think, oh, they have erectile dysfunction. It's not true. It's not the case. But it's what comes to mind because there can be pressure there, undue pressure. So what you got to do, guys, is lift up and down on your seat, uh, lift your seat up and down, yourself up and down off of off of your seat to give yourself some uh, break from that. Um, you know, occasional short rides are fine, but, you know, keep in mind. Um, and there are typical, um, there are some uh, bike seats. They're called no-nose bike seats, and they will protect against that genital numbness and sexual dysfunction. And so you might look into that, especially if you're noticing a little bit of decreased sexual sensation. Uh you know, and also keep an eye on your testosterone levels. Um, typically after the age of 40, testosterone levels decrease by about 1.3%. And some of the symptoms associated with that are moodiness, decreased sexual drive, lack of stamina, trouble making decisions, falling asleep after dinner, um, and, you know, lackluster erection. So, and, and stay away from the anabolic steroids as well. They are no good for you. Also, if you smoke, just stop. Um, you know, Kegels are typically for uh, women, and a lot of people will suggest uh, Kegel exercises, but it doesn't seem to be helpful. Kegel exercises are repeatedly contracting and relaxing your muscles. They can be helpful for uh, men and women who are suffering from urinary incontinence, but there's no evidence to suggest that they prevent erectile dysfunction. So there are lots of, um, of course, you know, keeping stress low as well is helpful. Um, and there, and penile injuries. So you want to keep away from either of those as well. Um, but there's so many treatments beyond, uh, diet and exercise and testosterone levels and general good health that are critical. And so there's, um, options and they're very, very good options. And so there are urethral pellets, um, a particular medication that is inserted into the urethra can increase, um, uh, your erections or improve your erections. There are intercavernosal injections. They are, it's a small needle that's inserted into the penis. So many guys love that option. And, and I recently mentioned it to a, I had a uh, patient, I do a lot of, um, 
legal work for lawyers and um, anyway, independent medical exams. And I had a young man, he was about 26, and he'd had an accident a few years prior, and he was having erectile dysfunction. And, and because he was young, and you know, all these older guys do the ICI, or the intercavenosal injections, and I mentioned it to him, and he was, oh, he was completely put off by that. But there are other options as well. There is um, also uh, vacuum pumps. They're not the sexiest, but they will do the trick. Um, so there's that's another one. And then what has been shown by the FDA to improve blood flow, increase blood flow, and increase pelvic floor muscle strength is electromagnotherapy. And so I'm actually looking for 6 to 12 guys. And last week I put this call out as well, and I got so many men um, emailing me about it. But there are some criteria. And so some of the guys uh, that emailed... Uh, had a pacemaker. So you can't have a pacemaker for this. Um, Also, you can't have had um, cancer in the prostate uh, as well. That's also an exclusion criteria. And having the seeds for brachytherapy, you can't have those either. So if you've had brachytherapy, you're actually excluded from this as well. But for men who have erectile dysfunction, um, for, you know, other reasons outside of of that, um, and they've maybe tried all of the other, this is not your first um, line of line, first line treatment. And in fact, if anybody says to you that any type of technology is a first line treatment, they just want your money. Okay. Because there are so many things that you can lead up and you can do, at least you have that choice. I just want you to know you have that choice. You don't have to just take some expensive treatment option as the first line. And, you know, sometimes you need uh, it's a combination of treatment. So in my clinical practice, uh, we'll, I work with a physician. Between the two of us, we'll do a sexual health assessment, your lab work. We will offer treatment options and uh, give you the information around them. And then, and so with this little trial that I I just want to see how it works for men, because the FDA has shown that the electromagnotherapy does increase blood flow and improve erections. But I want to try it. I want to just see, you know, how men respond and, and um, what their satisfaction is. Uh, And so oftentimes it isn't just one thing. It's a combination of things that will help you to have things looking up in your life. So if you're interested in my study, it is happening in, at Arbutus Laser Center in Vancouver. And, um, and also, you can come and see me in my clinical practice. I know a lot of guys are really embarrassed about erectile dysfunction. It can happen at any age, 20s, 30s, 40s, any decade of life. It increases as the decades advance. Um, but just keep in mind, there is treatment. There's no shame in it. There's Really, you needn't be embarrassed. And it's a critical health issue that you should have um, at least know what your treatments are. And one gentleman said to me, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting old and you know, I have one guy who writes, I'm a young 72-year-old, and the other one is like, I'm getting old, I'm 72. You know, it's it's your headspace. It's it's what your perspective is, you know. But we are sexual beings from cradle to grave, and so you deserve this, um, this to have your erection function properly. There is lots of treatments, lots of choices. They're not going to break the bank. Anyway, email me if you have any questions at all about this in confidence. My email is nursetalk at hotmail.com. When I come back, we're going to be talking with Amy Culler. She is an intimacy coach, and we're going to be looking between pleasure and pain. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Keep those text messages coming. I love them. Um, Especially the guy who wrote to me and said, I probably won't get them 
uh, this far away, I probably won't qualify way over here, but I'll just say I was never a hard liquor drinker and haven't had one in over 10 years. But you and the other girls made them sound incredibly tasty. I'd try one. Love your show, Maureen. Oh, he's going to win for sure (laughs) with the love your show. Uh, Right now, we are turning this over to uh, pain and pleasure, pain versus pleasure during sex. They're very closely tied. And I brought intimacy coach Amy Culler into the studio with me to talk about pain during sex. Some people get off on it. Uh, Some people are frightened by it. Some people are quite surprised at it. According to current statistics, one in 10 people has tried BDSM at least once. And this suggests that pain turns people on far more than we ever expected. Thank you, Amy, for joining me in the studio. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Okay, so we have we know that a variety of chemicals are released in the brain in response to pain messages. Endorphins are the ones that most people might be familiar with, and they help with the pain response as well. Well, so why is it that some people enjoy pain uh, during sex versus pleasure? My feeling is, is that pain brings you perfectly present immediately. So if you're trying to be present, you're trying to focus on where you are, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying to control your mind, but a smack brings you right, ple- light, right present immediately. Wakes you right up, Wakes doesn't you it? Right For those up, tired you- people out there, too tired to have sex. And it brings you into your body. So you can actually feel your body. And so many of us are so cut off from even feeling our body, let alone pleasure. And it's difficult for people to experience pleasure. But the endorphins are the body's natural opiates. And so that will help with the pain that they may experience. So that they might be quite surprised by that and that they were okay with that. Let's, let's say smack as your example. Um, we also have anandamide, which is the bliss chemical. And that binds with can, the cannabinoid receptors in the brain as well. And so those actually help people to... Um, to uh, endure the pleasure, endure the pain, if you will, and and perceive it as pleasure? Right. They increase pleasure so that when you're feeling pain, your body can actually deal with it. So when you have that little bit of that smack or that slap and it releases those chemicals, then you're actually feeling those feelings of bliss and those feelings of euphoria right in the moment, which is where you want to be. And and those chemicals bring on that warm, fuzzy feeling, much like cannabis when it binds to the same receptors in the brain. Right. So this is actually a chemical reaction that is happening. And, and so some Somebody in a relationship might actually say, and we're going to have to go to break very shortly as we're on this, but we'll, we'll keep you in the studio. Um, they might be afraid of BDSM or, or expanding their sexual repertoire, but if they understand what's going on in the brain that they will be able to handle it, it might be easier. Right. And I think part of what happens of why people have that is because it increases your trust as well. You're really aware of your trust with your partner, which automatically brings in vulnerability. We call these people masochists. Those are people who gain pleasure, sexual pleasure from some types of pain. But it can be, there's a fine line between pain and pleasure, isn't there? Ow! And, uh, and, and pleasure. We're going to be talking about that a little bit because we're having a sex drought in North America. Amy Culler, intimacy coach, is my guest. And we were talking about pain versus pleasure. Uh, maybe that is why there is a sex drought in North America. It might surprise you to know that the lack of sex is driven mainly by the young. 
there are number, a number of people, uh, according to the general social survey, that report no sex in the past year. It reached an all-time high in 2018. It underscores a three-decade trend line marked by an aging population and higher numbers of unattached people. Among the 23% of adults, or nearly one in four, who spent their year in a celibate state, a much larger than expected number of them were 20-something men. Experts who study American and North American bedroom habits say there's a number of factors that drive this drought. Age is one of them. The 60 and older demographic climbed from 18% of the population in 1996 to 26% in 2018. We're supposed to be healthier people. Amy is here in the studio, and I'm going to ask her her opinion, because she has a, an intimacy coaching practice. What What is driving this sex drought? Why aren't people having sex, Amy? I believe people aren't having sex because guys are having insecurities about their lack of hard-ons, quite frankly. So they're having a hard time connecting because then they might have to follow through on it. So why aren't they having... Uh, Erections. Why aren't they able to get erections? These twenty-something men. I because mean, of the porn influence. What I call it is a brain gasm. They're having a brain gasm, which is the brain connected to their erotic, and they're not having a body orgasm. They're, it's a whole body. You got to get your head in the game. It's a full body contact sport. So when they get in the full body contact sport, they got to connect with their partner. And that connection piece takes them away from their porn experience. I have a great saying. If a woman isn't, if a woman isn't making sound, she's making lists. And if a man isn't making sounds, he's fantasizing, which is why I want everybody to make the sound mm-hmm together because then they're sharing pleasure. Guys aren't having Guys aren't having sex because they think that it's all about penetration instead of shared pleasure. So. so the porn is actually interrupting um, people in the bedroom. So so porn makes it easy. I mean, there's so much porn today. There's so many choices, so much variety. There's live porn, you know, in particular. Um, but it's quick. It's easy. It's effective. It happens. Uh, right. You know, you can get rapidly psychologically aroused, which is critical for an erection. But once you get with a human being, then what happens? Then you have to connect. You have to connect your energies. You have to become teammates. You're in this together. And when you're there alone, it's it's much easier. You don't have to coincide with somebody else. And, you, and also people are also not having as much sex because they're on their phones. So they're sexting and they're texting. You know, I have a teen daughter and I know that they weren't getting together to do homework. So they're they're missing that whole exploratory age. They're, they're doing it over the computer or over the phone. So they don't have that chemistry next to each other. Right. Real intimacy issues happening. And how about performance anxiety? This is something else I see in my clinical practice, especially for men who are utilizing porn um, daily, nightly. (laughs) Um, And and so they they can't have an erection when when they're with their partner, whomever that is. And then they start to get nervous and anxious and and feel that they're not performing. And it was so easy with the live model on the porn site. And now... Um, you know, here it is, I'm, I'm with a human being and, and I'm not really with this particular human being. Right, because they keep checking out, trying to get to the fantasy that's going to take them over the edge instead of staying in the moment with the pleasure with their partner. And But sometimes uh, fantasy is helpful, in, especially in the long-term relationship where sex can become boring and dull. You know, it's okay to fantasize. And in fact, it's a very common uh, sexual activity, if you will. 
Yes, it is. But we're aware of when our partner checks out. And there's a difference between fantasy when you're with a computer because you don't even have to fantasize or actually connecting with your partner and performing in, in the real life. And performing real sex is not like performing porn. So when people are performing sex, they think they're doing it wrong. And also, again, they think of, por- of sex as penetration instead of sexual pleasure. Do you hear that, guys? Sex isn't about penetration, okay? <laughs> uh, it's about pleasure. Um, but you know, people who are fantasizing during sex, they're not necessarily checking out because sex is for, and I like to make this, um, I like to drive this point home, especially to women. Sex isn't just for men. Sex is for women too. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes women will need to fantasize. They will need to call upon the, the fantasy in their head or the person that is at work or, you know, that they're online or somebody, their go-to online person to actually increase their sexual pleasure during that time when they're with their partner that they may have been with for 10 years. Um, and so, that is not necessarily checking out. It's really checking in with themselves. Would you say? I would say, but it'd be nicer if you could actually share the sexual pleasure. Well, you're still sharing the sexual pleasure. You're, it's just perhaps helping somebody to increase that arousal yeah. and increase that lubrication and to get them excited um, when they think about a past relationship or um, something to enhance sexual pleasure for themselves because I think you're you got to come def- first yeah fantasy is definitely <laughs> fantasy is definitely allowed yeah I think it's a it's a, an important aspect of it so one of the other reasons um, that people aren't having sex is because uh, we, we talk about body image we talk about fatigue we talk about this life we're living this chronically busy life that we're living today where we're paying a whole lot more attention to our phones than our partners so what are some of the issues you see in your practice in terms of of intimacy problems, because that's really what you address. I feel like people aren't having sex because they're outside of each other. And the only time that they're connecting is when they're having sex. If the only time you're connecting is when you're having sex, your sex isn't going to feel very connected. So then you get together and you're like, I don't feel like having sex with you because we haven't connected at all. You were busy connecting with your phone. And that foreplay begins a long time before then. Right. And also there's so many issues couples face today. And so, and, and, and sometimes we can have a, a, you know, a healthier of mind partner and somebody else is going through some issues or you can have some unresolved conflict or you can have substance use and abuse. Addiction will will impact desire as well. And, and also, I had a couple in my clinical practice. He said that she wasn't the typical body type that he liked to have sex with. And, you know, he married this woman like two or three years ago, but he said he married her for her brain and that hurt her. Now, a lot of women want to be respected for her, for their brains. Um, and it, and it can be a, you know, massive compliment to people, but, um, she was, he was putting her down because he preferred big busted women and his wife had a very flat chest. Well, when it comes to people who have a preference on body type, then again, they're getting lost in what the reality is in their fantasy instead of their connecting to their partner and feeling sensual, full body pleasure because an orgasm is a climax of sexual pleasure. So if you're just going to the field and going straight for the gold, you might be winning the game, but you're missing having a really good game. So if 
if people say that they're going in for more pleasure, that's what I say. Instead of let's go have sex, let's go explore pleasure because then we'll have more of it. Who doesn't want more pleasure in your life? Right. But what do you think about attraction to somebody else? Um, you know, if somebody doesn't take care of themselves, I talk a lot about health on this program. I talk a lot about exercise, diet, um, you know, living healthily, dealing with your issues because um, when, you know, somebody doesn't take care of themselves, do you see that in your clinical practice uh, where one person maybe has gained weight or drinks too much or smokes pot too much or, you know, has the big gut? I deal with lots of big guts. And somebody actually emailed me a question and they said, what do you mean by girth? Do you mean GERD? <laughs> Which is actually gastroesophageal reflux disease. No, I don't mean GERD. I mean abdominal girth. That's a big turnoff for a lot of women. I hear that in my practice. If men have a big stomach they're not attracted to the to him right so Same do you co- think go the, the other way do you think the, the non-attraction is why people aren't having sex i think often that's one of the reasons is lack of attraction because of you know uh, i think a lot of annoyances i think things don't um you know people get obsessed about themselves they focus on themselves there's a lot of narcissism i think there's a lot of addiction out there um i think that people are too tired I think I see people living in their parents' home still. They're, you know, in their 30s. And, and so the intimacy is affected for themselves and the intimacy is affected for their parents. So kind of that failure to launch, um, you know, post-grad life um, can also <laughs> impact it as well. Um, so I, I see a lot, you know, people grow and develop and they change and, you know, others stay stagnant. Yeah, and if there's not an, if they're not feeling attracted to each other, then they have to back up from that and feel attracted to themselves. And as you said, if people are taking care of themselves, their self-esteem, I find their self-esteem is more uh, enhancing than their body type. So somebody's feeling good about themselves. But people aren't having sex these days because they're not connecting. They're so busy connecting by electronics that they're not in person anymore. This is true. That is absolutely true. And sometimes what I think sometimes when there are issues in the relationship or something that's gnawing at, at one person in the relationship, you know, they go to somebody, something or somebody, they may do that as well, that gives them pleasure, where they attain that pleasure. They may get that. Um, you know, there's workaholism is another issue that faces a lot of people today because people get pleasure from that as well from you know getting kudos at work or getting um, affirmed yeah that sense of accomplishment that's right I know where it began and I know where it ended and when it comes to sex people are really confused as to where it begins and where it ends but it begins (laughs) long before they get into the bedroom correct and that's not the only place I'm suggesting that you have sex there are many places you know a little action on the ski hill I mean (laughs) Um, outside, at the beach, you know, in the kitchen, different places, you know, but, but even before you get there, all those other things have to be, they have to line up that unresolved, resolving your conflicts and, you know, taking care of yourself, having high self-esteem, not always feeling like you're the one caring for the other person. Right. And I do believe that it's important to be able to drop resentments and drop all the things on your mind so that you can connect right away. And that's a tool that you need to have so that you can have with your partner. So true. That's Mm -hmm. a great point. Amy Culler, great information as usual. How can people get in touch with you if they want to increase the intimacy in their lives? amycolor.com. Excellent. That's A-M-Y-C-O-L-O-R. 
www.thinkingdigitalmedia.com. Amy, thank you so much for coming into the studio. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always great information. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.